everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 31, listener spotlight number three, for January 27th, 2011. This week, our special guest is Michael Wallstrom, also known as, known as Monkey Martin, which doesn't have Michael or Wallstrom in the name. And I'm really curious as to why he's Monkey Martin instead of Monkey Mike or yeah, we're gonna have Monkey to, we're, Wall or Wally Monkey or something like that. Got to hit him up on that. When I was when I was uh, contacting him and uh, we said Michael Wallstrom, he said, "Who's that?" Wait a minute, that's Monkey that's, Martin. That, that's, that's not right. <laughs> so we'll find out shortly. So uh, uh, Mike is with us today. He is uh, he's going to be our our spotlighted listener. So uh, Mike, just jump right in there. Let's just let's get get it out of the way right now. What's with Monkey Martin? Uh, it's just kind of a name that's stuck. People, I shaved my head once and people said I look like a monkey. And then <laughs> somehow Martin got stuck to the end. And you know, when you're filling out stuff on the internet and you can't find like a proper name, like all the good names are taken. Right, right. I'll try Monkey Martin. And then I just kept using it because it was always available and it became my internet name. I have a name like that that I won't divulge publicly because. Uh, it's, really? Yes. It's, no, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, you know, it's, it's my internet name. But, uh, yeah, it, it was like that. It was, uh, uh, came about as a, as a circumstance that is unlikely to happen again. And then it ended up being a unique name and I just kind of use it everywhere for that reason. I know how that goes. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My wife doesn't like when I use it as an email because she says it's not that professional. Well, yeah, I can see that. Especially if it was like Monkey Martin at Hotmail.com. For, <laughs> yeah, for yeah. some reason, Monkey and Hotmail seem to go pretty well together. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm here to say, from my point of view, you don't look like a monkey. So if that makes you feel any better, um, I don't know, maybe if you were swinging from a tree and eating a banana, I might feel differently. Right. So anyway, uh, we just wanted to had a couple of things before we get to the interview at large that we wanted to talk about, and one of which is uh, um, was actually mentioned in our last episode pretty heavily. So I thought I'd bring it up here. Um, in February, the first week of February, uh, we'll be going to the TCEA conference, which is the Texas Computer Educators Association, and they have a big convention every year uh, where about twelve thousand geeks descend on austin texas and uh and uh geeks and teachers well teaching geeks or teacher geeks teacher geeks yeah Yeah. teacher geeks geechers Uh, (laughs) sure i like it Um, you heard it here first (laughs) geekers so uh they all uh we all get together and it's it's a great show uh, uh lots of information lots of uh good stuff uh but um uh also, one of the good stuffs that's going to be going on there is we're doing a session called Podcasting Live, where we'll actually do an episode of the Tightwad Tech there from the show. Uh, so we'll do, a, and we're going to do a 90-minute session there, and about 30 or 40 minutes of that, we'll have to keep it short, will be our podcast. And then the rest of it will be, uh, I'll actually show the uh, the editing and the mixing down and all the stuff that I do uh, after the show, and we'll talk about the, the show notes and how we prep before the show. And we're going to try to get somebody to record all that uh, with a video camera, and we'll put it up on our website. There's um, there's irony involved here, though, right? Because it's podcasting live, and that's the one show that we're not going right, to have a live feed. Right? Uh, <laughs> it'll be live in the studio, so to speak. Right. It'll be live there. Uh, when that many people converge on a small area, bandwidth is always an issue, and so uh, we don't anticipate being able to broadcast live. We don't anticipate being able to uh, uh, have a Skype guest. Uh, so. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll just be doing just as Sean and I will just be talking. Uh, and also our session is scheduled for Thursday of that week, which is the day that our podcast ordinarily comes out. So we probably won't be able to put it up until either late Thursday night or Friday morning. So the first week in, uh, February, the podcast will be late, but don't worry. There will be a podcast and I think right. it'll be a pretty good one. I'm hoping so. We'll hope to have some, uh, live audience participation. And if there's enough bandwidth available, if things look like they're rocking along pretty well, we'll go ahead and do a live stream via Ustream. But, uh, in years past, it's been challenging just to send an email. Right. right. Uh, yeah, last couple of years, it's it's just doesn't work. Don't even try. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's it for that. And one other thing I just wanted to throw in just happened today. Um, 
we have here at the school, we have a, a, a Polycom VSX 7000 video conference system. Oh, ah, uh, okay. Right. Now I know where yeah, you're there going. There you go. So, okay. uh, uh, so it's a, a very, uh, um, well, it's inexpensive in terms of video conferencing. It's a, it's about a seven or eight thousand dollar unit. Uh, we bought it several years ago, but we replaced about ninety thousand dollars worth of gear with this. I think it was eight thousand dollar unit at the time, and uh, the speaker in it went out, uh, and so you couldn't couldn't hear what was going. You could still see. Uh, so uh, I started. We, we were scrambling. We do uh, five to seven classes a week through video conference. Uh, these credit classes, dual credit, college and high school classes. Uh, and so uh, it was kind of a time sensitive thing. And we had worked out. Well, uh, we'll just call the presenter and, and listen over the speakerphone while they do that. We had these you know workarounds that we were going to do. And so I got to looking for somebody who could repair this Polycom unit. And it's so old that it's out of date. It's discontinued. Um, there is no warranty. We don't have a service contract. Uh, but again, the replacement was going to be between six and $9,000, depending on the, the bells and whistles that I got for the new unit. So uh, I, I was calling this company, and they said, look, for uh, $1,400, we'll give you a service contract, and that service contract will be good for a year, and in that year, we can repair a unit. So basically, we can get it repaired for about $1,400. Uh, Polycom wouldn't even talk to me because it was out. Of, it was a discontinued unit, so it was going to have to be through a company like this. And while I was talking with the tech, he said, have you tried hooking up an external speaker to it? And I said, you can do that? So he showed me, uh, really? we, we talked over the phone a little bit. And so, uh, instead of getting a $1,400 service contract out of me, he got a hearty, heartfelt thank you. And I replaced it with a $9 set of PC speakers. <laughs> and now it wow. actually, it actually sounds better now than it did the day we bought it. The speakers I put in were higher quality and, and, and they always complained that they couldn't get enough volume. Well, these were, we had to turn it down because the teacher next door was complaining about the volume. So there you go. That is super tight. Tightwad right there. That's Re awesome. Repairing an entire video conference system for $9, which is the cost of a pair of uh, PC speakers. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's good. I was wondering how you were going to come up with a <laughs> fix for that. So uh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was. I, did I it had just to, plug uh, in or did you have to like do some wiring? Uh, no, I, it had a RCA on, on the back. So I had to go through an adapter to like okay, we do for yeah. our projectors and uh, it worked just fine and it was great. <laughs> the hardest part about it was getting electricity up there to it. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So there uh, we go. Okay. And so with that, we'll just get right into the, uh, the, uh, listener spotlight part. I won't, uh, talk about anything else, but that was too good a story to leave out. I had to, to, to get that out there. Yeah. Work, work it, work it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mike has, uh, copious show notes more than anyone else that we've ever, uh, uh, had on the show. And so we're pretty much going to just going to sit back and let Mike go. Uh, and we'll ask him some questions once in a while. Uh, so Mike go. So you want me to introduce myself? Go ahead. Yeah, that, yeah. Start start there. Uh, okay. Introduce yourself. Yeah, where are you from? What, I guess uh, I could ask yeah. you a couple of questions. And, uh, I was looking forward to just sitting back and sipping my water and and, and enjoying. He's the show. been anxious to get started. Yeah, it's great to put him on the spot like that. Okay, ready to show. Go ahead. Uh, I see the first thing you have in the in the show notes, and we talked about it before we started recording. Is you have lots of snow. A couple of episodes ago, we talked about our uh, great blizzard of of 2011 there with uh, with our about five inches of snow <laughs> and uh, you're you're sitting up there in uh, central canada am, am i right there yeah i'm in alberta and right. i got snow banks that are up to my waist probably like i can't see my hedge in my front yard is completely covered and like i said before it's close it's like minus 26 with the wind chill <laughs> so it's it's extremely cold yeah, Sean's sitting in here. It's you know seventy five in here with the heater on, and he's got his jacket yeah, on. Yeah, you know it's a little <laughs> chilly. <laughs> so, Mike, tell us how you found the Taiwan Tech. You don't work in a school. Uh, you're not a network technician. Um, what are you doing here, man? Um, I'm always hunting around for different information about computers and technology, and I've always kind of kept my eye on the Fog Project because it looked really interesting. And usually, you can tell when a project really is good and um, has substance to it. And I, w I was like, okay, this is one I'm going to keep my eye on, even though it's not something I've used. Um, so one day I checked back to see how the fog guys were doing, if they were still updating it. And 
I was like, oh, they're on a podcast. So this might give me some good information about fog. And I was like, holy, this is a really, really good podcast. And it has a lot of information because I've worked in tech departments before and tech jobs. And I was hoping to get back into a tech job. And all the things you guys were talking about would really help me in getting into one of those jobs. And I just got hired to work at a college and I start on Friday. Yeah. So that, that actually just happened. So, okay. So you haven't even started day one yet and, uh, but you're already getting some, uh, professional development through the Taiwan tech. You're ahead of the game. That's right. Uh, so, uh, you know, we got a, one more shout out to Fog. Uh, so many of our listeners have come through them. Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I'm pleased that you uh, found the show uh, entertaining and enlightening enough to stick with it. Uh, that was episode four, and this is episode 31. So you've been with us for a, a, a few months now. And, uh, and uh, I know you, uh, you show up in the, uh, in the forums and on the blog comments pretty often. You've, you've become one of our uh, active guys. And so uh, uh, we appreciate the fact that, uh, that you uh, uh, found it worthwhile, and we'll try to keep making it worthwhile. Oh, thanks. So, uh, let's talk about your education. Uh, you you said you just got hired uh, working for uh, a college. Uh, what what uh, what is your background? What is your education that has prepared you for that? Um, uh, I actually took a one year tech certificate at that college that I'm going to be working at. Um, I took that one year program, and then I went to. Uh, do a work experience in Toronto for three months at the university, the University of Toronto, uh, come home, and I worked for a couple years in a plant as a plant manager, managed a plant. We had a whole bunch of pumps and tanks and stuff like that. It didn't really have anything to do with computers. And then uh, I got hired as a com- communication technician, and that was installing high-speed internet for people in rural communities and they got high speed internet through like a tower network. So I was climbing on people's roof. My boss asked me if I was scared of heights and I, and I said, no, no heights don't bother me. And then I found out that he meant that I was going up those big towers with cell phone equipment on them. (laughs) So I was climbing towers that were 150 feet. That's, Um, uh, that's actually very typical where we're at. Uh, we're, we're out in the rural kind of far flung areas. And, uh, for a lot of people, if they can get it at all, that's how they get internet. Right. Well, I've never climbed the towers. I have been in charge of installing, uh, uh, like 50 and 75 foot masts and, and guy wires and all that just because, you know, somebody said, Hey, uh, would you mind doing this? Uh, sure. And little did I know. So, uh, be careful about that sort of stuff. Somebody says you're scared of, uh, ask if you're afraid of something. Say yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Are you afraid of rabid dogs? Yes, yes. I am. Yes, I am. Absolutely. Yes, I am. <laughs> because then, the next uh, thing you know, they'll be asking right if you're afraid of electricity. Is- <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I started my uh, own webpage. I wanted to start like a newspaper and um, like a, I guess you could think of it as an online newspaper, an information source for my community. So I use WordPress for that. It's called myslavelike.com. And yeah, that's what I was doing. And I was building web pages. So I'd call myself like a web designer, um, person who builds web pages for people right now. All right. And so you do most of that, uh, pretty much freelance. Uh, and then you, you're about to start this job in the tech department at the university, right? Uh, and what will be your job there? Do you, do you know? Um, very similar to what you guys talk about. Like, that's why I'm really interested in, um, the podcast, um, supporting, um, machines for students and staff, um, some training. I, I don't know exactly cause each kind of department has different technology and each environment's a little different, but it's going to be a, a lot of windows computers. It's not going to be like Macs or Linux. I don't think. Um, so okay, and so Windows. that's that's going to be problematic from you uh, because uh, if if there's anything I've learned about you in the in the few months that you've been around the the forums is that you are uh, not a Windows fan. Uh, so how are you, are you going to be able to sleep with uh, with yourself at night? You going to be able to to look at yourself in the mirror knowing that you've become a a, a Windows support guy? Yeah, that's that's okay. I'm okay with it. Um, I run a Mac at home. I did when I was in school. I did most of the lessons in 
Linux because it didn't specify whether you had to use Windows or, or not. So if they said you had to learn how to set up a printer, I was like, okay, I'm going to try this in Linux. So I tried <laughs> to avoid Windows. Brave man. <laughs> so I'm really going to have to do some learning to get up to speed. Um, so I might have to get a Windows computer to practice with at home. Uh, so uh, what fl- what's your favorite uh, flavor of Linux? Um, I use pretty much everything. I, I like Ubuntu. It's pretty easy as a desktop Linux. Uh, Puppy Linux is kind of fun to play with because it's light and fast. Um, Debian is kind of like old school and really stable, and it works good for a server. So I just jump around and play with whatever. But right now, if if I was going to set it up for like a desktop, it would be Ubuntu for sure. I agree. We uh, that's that's oh, that or Mint. Mint, Mint definitely is up there as well. Which is Ubuntu Plus, pretty much. Yeah. It's got like an extra bit of shine, as you would guys would call it. Right. right. Or pretty. It's pretty. It's all about the pretty. It's all about the pretty. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you're going to learn that real quick in the educational environment. If it's not pretty, they don't like it. That's why Macs are so popular. I mean, there's not maybe not the only reason okay i already know i already know where you're going there but uh certainly uh that's that's a huge part of the appeal to the uh, to the masses there yeah all right and uh so you had some questions for us uh according to the show notes uh so i, I it looks like you're going planning on interviewing us a little bit so uh, I, I, yeah i like that twist that's, so, uh, that's kind of interesting go, go right ahead shoot okay I- I hope I'm not taking over the show or anything. Well, so. that's it's a listener spotlight. It's your show, man. Yeah. Um, I was just going to see, like, my first question is, what advice do you have for, like, a new tech joining a tech department? Like, say I was joining your team, what would you expect of me, and um, how could I best fit in? I probably should jump in on this one because uh, that was me, oh, almost three years ago now. And... uh I think the most important thing and the the thing that uh, I was a little shocked, I, I've always kind of been a go-getter, I guess you would call it, and I was a little shocked when I came in the door and I just really started attacking things and there was a lot that I didn't know, but uh, you know, they showed me, uh, my predecessor was here for two whole days to train me. <laughs> And, uh, hey, I worked hard uh, to get you those two days. Yeah, man. actually, that yeah, that that was better than nothing for sure. But uh, after two short days, uh, it was kind of like here you go. And I had this trouble ticket system and this whole list of trouble tickets. And um, uh, but I just started attacking them one by one. And uh, I was a little shocked uh, in that uh, people were really surprised. One, they were surprised to see me. And the funny thing is. Uh, I would go out and I would work on these tickets and, uh, at the time I wasn't real good at, uh, you know, remoting in and, and, uh, didn't have all the knowledge that I needed really to, to take care of, uh, probably 75% of the stuff that I could have remotely. And, uh, so I was actually out on foot, you know, going around to computers and, and taking care of people's problems. And they thought I was the gra- greatest thing since, uh, sliced bread. And, uh, uh, so that, that's one, I guess I could say is, you know, you just, you have to come in with the attitude of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get some work done. I think most people do is when they come into a new position. Uh, but, uh, another good one, and I don't know, a university might be a little bit different because you're on a larger scale. Uh, maybe you're on a large, larger scale, uh, is, uh, just getting, uh, letting people get to know you. Um, so, uh, that's it. I mean, really when it comes down to, I I know you're going to be a little bit nervous about, well, what do they expect me to know? And, uh, in the job world, I don't care what you're doing, uh, whatever knowledge you've acquired prior to that point of getting that new position and starting that new position pretty much goes out the window and you're going to OJT it. Right. And, and my story, um, echoes that only it was, 15 years ago uh that uh i was dropped down to this place and and uh, at the time they had a uh, novell netware 2.0 uh network and this was when uh, windows 95 was the the hot new technology of the day and uh so uh uh i i went uh, i grabbed the manual and took them home with me and read through them in the night i went to uh a local half price bookstore and and bought all of their manuals that they had on 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 networking and and novell and and um if you don't know a admit you don't know don't lie and say that you do but follow that with but i will find out 
and then do it. Uh, so, you know, if your boss says, you know, can you do X? Uh, the answer is, uh, um, I will be able to. If the answer is no, I can't right now, uh, the follow-up is I will be able to. Uh, but you asked specifically, if you were coming onto my team, um, creativity, flexibility. Um, I, I don't know how other people run their departments, but uh, uh, I'm not uh, – uh, most people – aren't going to be looking for a guy to have one way of doing things. They're going to be looking for a guy to have their way of doing things. They, they have a way there. Uh, and you may look around and say, that's not the right way. And that's okay. You got to have to uh, approach that in the right way though. Uh, but be flexible. And, uh, you know, and the stuff that we talk about here on the Taiwan tech all the time is, uh, uh, just learn and read and explore and experiment and be willing to fail. And hopefully you're moving into an environment that allows you to fail. Uh, failure is an important part of learning. So there you go. Okay. Anything else? Yeah. What's next? Uh, how do you deliver like bad news to somebody? Let's say like I got f friends and family who don't back up their computer and they come to me one day <laughs> and their hard drive is ticking and they're like, um, you're the computer guy. Make everything good. And oh, no. I'm getting well, better at breaking bad news to people because uh, sometimes I think people get the impression that tech people can fix everything. That's right. That's There's right. Magic fairies that solve all problems. Uh, how do you make that connection? Between the two of us here, you have two distinctly different styles of that. And so uh, my style is uh, – uh, Sorry, dude. Sucks to be you. Uh, that's kind of the way I look at it. I will, I will, I will say, look, I, I've done everything possible. Uh, you know, if, if I'm a doctor and, and I'm telling somebody that their, their child just died, that's what I'm going to say too. I did, we did everything possible. We used every tool at our disposal, but it just didn't happen. You know, you, you pull that bandaid off quickly. Uh, Sean is, is more soft about it. What would you, how would you do that? Well, uh, I'm more soft about a lot of things. I mean, I, I certainly, my delivery is soft. But uh, but my stance on that, given the environment that we offer to them, is usually uh, more of a harsh line. Is we give you network storage, so if you lost something on your computer, you know, sucks to be you. I'm coming to, <laughs> kind of still there. I just my delivery is a lot softer, um, but I don't feel sorry for people at all. And and uh, when even that, you know, I get somebody who brings in because uh, oftentimes people will bring me their personal laptop or something, and they ask me to work work on it on the side, and uh, you know these types of situations constantly, just like what you said. And uh, I try to educate them as much as I can, but. Uh, you know, they're not going to get any sympathy out of me either. Uh, I do what I can to recover things and, you know, I'm, I'm just a genial guy, but, uh, yeah, that, that's all you can do, I think. And one of the best things that you can do is follow up, um, bad news with a suggestion. You know, right. uh, you, you've lost all your data. Here's how in the future you can back it up seamlessly so that this won't happen again. I can't get it back this time, but I can help you learn to not have that problem again. And the, the same goes for, uh, you know, because so often what do you get? Somebody brings you a computer, they got a virus on it or something, and then you look at it and you see that whatever virus protection, crappy virus protection they had is outdated and hasn't been updated in two years. Uh, so uh, th you're right. That's exactly what I try to do in that situation too is you you sit there and, uh, you know, m maybe you, uh, you take care of the virus problem or whatever, but you go ahead and get them set up uh, to go forward in the future and try and provide them a little bit of education uh but don't be too optimistic either uh, with a great deal of people that's going to go in one year and out the other and uh you know six weeks later you get them back with the, another virus right. So. Okay. all right what else can we tell you okay um i was wondering about like how do you um not convince not sell but show people the value of open source software. I think a lot of times because something's free, people feel that it's not valuable. And because it doesn't come in a box um, and it's not on a shelf in Best Buy or on a computer store, they don't see it as being valuable. So I was just wondering how you translate that message. Well, I have, uh, I've dealt with that a lot, uh, actually, over the years. Um, and there's two... 
two things that I always say, guiding principles that I that I go by. Uh, one is, I've said it before, and, and I'll probably say it many times on this podcast, is I've never used a utility or a tool or a piece of software because it's free. I have tried it and tested it and researched it because it's free, and I only use it if it's good. So uh, that's that's the thing. If you have a good product... If it is good, if it has merit, then there's not a whole lot of selling that has to be done. You say, look at this great product. Look how good this thing is. And oh, by the way, did I mention it doesn't cost anything? And so that's the value of, of, you know, really high quality open source or even co- or, or closed source free software is you start with the value. You start with, is it good? And then go with, Oh, by the way, it's free. Um, and, and then, uh, you go into that, but you're still going to run into people who say, if it's free, if there's not a company backing, backing it, it can't be good. And I hear that all the time. And again, if the product is good, it will speak for itself. If it's fog, if it's ITALC, if it's any of the things that we talk about here, uh, on the, the show, they will see that it's good and it won't be as important that it, that it doesn't uh, have a company behind it. But, uh, oftentimes these things do have companies behind them. Like when we, uh, at our school, we moved to the open office platform away from Microsoft office. And so I explained to them that, you know, Sun, a fortune 100 or at least 500 company, right. a huge, huge company, um, built this thing and backed this thing. And it's an interesting story. I don't know if you know the story. I'll tell it in, in very short order. Uh, Sun Microsystems, was looking at upgrading their version of Microsoft Office. And they found that it would be cheaper to buy a software company than to upgrade their Microsoft Office licenses. Hello, (laughs) it's cheaper (laughs) to buy a software company than to upgrade your Microsoft Office licenses. And so they bought uh, this company called Star Division that was making a product called Star Office. And then they said, hey, wait a minute. We can write off the entire uh, purchase price as a tax write-off if we open source this. And then it becomes a charitable thing. So they bought a company just to get the product. Then they open sourced it to get the tax rebate or the the tax relief. So that is how OpenOffice came to be. Uh, and so... You have a story like that. If you do your research, you're going to find things like that. Or you'll find, like in the case of, of Fog, uh, where it's just two guys who are in a school and they have, they have this problem and they work to solve their own problem. It's backed up by people using it. So that's how I quote unquote sell things. But again, you have to start with a good product. There's lots of f- free garbage out there, but there's lots of garbage out there that's paid for too. And so the, 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 uh, most important thing is to have a high quality product. Sorry, I didn't mean to preach there. That happens to be yeah. sometimes. Well, and I, I want to uh, jump in there and just say, you know, we have a responsibility, and I guess, uh, Mark, you did really kind of say this, is we have a responsibility in our positions uh, to sift that out for our end users. So, uh, it, you know, before you put something in front of an end user, you need to really make sure that it's appropriate for them. Because uh, I also think that some of this, and we, uh, the video editing uh, show that we did just a few weeks ago uh, is a great example of this. Is There's some great video editing software out there, uh, open source, but uh, it's not necessarily for everybody, and some of them are easier to use than others. And uh, so while you, uh, you may be tech-savvy and go for that, that one that's at the top of the list that has the most bells and whistles if you put that in front of an end user uh because the gui is not fully developed and everything else uh they're going to come away with a bad taste in their mouth they're going to think that it's crap and uh and that may not necessarily be the case but it's just not a fully polished product so uh so anytime you put anything in front of an end user you just need to really be mindful of uh, whether it's appropriate for them or not and it's also a bizarre fact of human nature that we're more willing to accept pain if we're paying for the privilege. I don't understand why that is. Well, because you're already out the money, right? You got <laughs> you got to justify it. It's just like uh, you know, if you come home and say, "Honey, look at these great shoes I got on sale for whatever," and then you know, three <laughs> days later, they're killing your feet, but you're still wearing them. But they cost so much, <laughs> I have to wear them. Uh, but yeah, if uh, if people are switching from the Windows platform to the Mac platform, there's a lot of pain involved with that. But because they paid a lot of money for it, they're willing to go through it. But uh, when you try to get those people to switch to Linux, the same sort of pain, they're not willing to do that because Linux doesn't cost anything. Right. It's bizarre, but it's the truth. 
All right, next question. Yeah, I just want to add one quick point. The one thing I like about open source is, especially when it's a large project that a lot of people are using, I find there's good communities, and I can find a lot of good documentation, and just even a lot of people asking questions on forums and stuff. And if something's like a specialty niche program, um, you really can't find that much information because not a lot of people are using it. So I think open source, um, because it's free and accessible, you can test it, and a lot of people are using it. So that's the value for me. One, let me throw this in there. One of the things about open source that to me makes it great is everybody working on it is doing so out of passion. Okay. They do it. They're doing it because they want to. It's their side job, right? They go to their offices and they code on, you know, whatever, uh, Oracle suite for a living. And then when they're in their off time, they go work on, you know, uh, GIMP or whatever. Uh, so it's, it, there's a lot of passion involved in it. And so the product shows that. And as they're saying in the chat room now, the downside of that is geeks don't like to write documentation. Right. So, uh, you don't have good documentation. And often when you go into one of those communities in the forum or whatever, the first thing they'll say is read the documentation to which you'll say, I did. It sucked. Uh, but once you get past that, um, you can get through some, uh, get to some really good people because often you're talking to the people who write the code. Um, uh, interesting uh, side note, um, the software that we use to do the uh, video broadcast, Webcam Studio, I uh, filed a, a bug report in their forum about something, and uh, the developer got back to me and said, oh, yeah, I see that's the problem. It's fixed. And so uh, within a matter of a couple of minutes, uh, it was in the next uh, revision ready to be downloaded. So you don't get that. You're not going to call up uh, you know, the, the uh, Steve Ballmer at, at Microsoft and say, hey, there's a problem here in Windows, and five minutes later say, oh, yeah, that's fixed now. Yeah. And even even on the remote chance that that happened, you wouldn't be getting it for free. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be in the uh the MS whatever 2012 version that costs another $195. Right. Okay, moving on. Okay, here's an here's another scenario. It's kind of based on a situation I was around, but uh I change it a little bit just so I don't talk about that situation but let's say here's the scenario um teachers do um their report cards with an office program all the teachers know how to use the office program it's really um second nature to them and then the school division decides to buy this big fancy um report card software and it's like a centrally located solution and all the teachers have to put in their um, report cards into this one solution. Uh, the tech department, some of them might be involved in making the decision to get this program. It's really expensive, but what it ends up doing is it causes a lot of trouble for the teachers because now they have the stress of doing their report cards and now they have to learn how to use this new program. And it's, and then whenever there's one little problem with this program, causes problems for all the report cards like the the problems aren't isolated to one solution and what what it appears that happened is a company sold the school division on some fancy software and they didn't really try it out and now everybody's kind of stuck using it and nobody kind of wants to admit that they spent money on software that's not really that good this is a story that is told thousands of times over uh, in thousands of schools, public and private. Uh, and that is that the people who control the purse strings are not the people who use the product. And the people who use the product are not the people who support it. And the purple, it just, it never works out so that the guy who should be making the decision is. And it's exactly how it is. A slick salesman comes in and says, um, you know, look at this product. It will make your administrative life so much easier. Look at all these reports I can generate for you, principal, uh, and look at how easy I can do that. And never mentioning, uh, but it makes the teacher's life a lot harder. Uh, so one of the things that it's important for, for leaders, once you get up into the uh, administration, um, uh, to uh, a skill that you need to develop is to try to see things from the end user point of view. And uh, one of the things that we well, do I, here... I, I think and. In- 
learn to consult with those right. people. You pay people to work for you. If you're an administrator, you're a leader. Those people are paid to work for you, and they sh- they should be advising you. So rely on those people. You know, if you're a superintendent or a principal and you're looking at something like this, you need to pull in some teachers and have them take a look at it or your tech guys or whatever, preferably both, uh, and say, uh, how are, how are you going to be able to use this in the classroom? And Hey, tech guys, are you guys going to be able to support this? Uh, Oh, by the way, you know, it, it requires a $10,000 server to run. Uh, so, uh, but unfortunately, uh, you know, you're going into a situation where you're not at the top, so uh, that that's harder to affect change. But we do it here. We we tug on some ears to make right. sure that. And and the key uh, thing there, and we talked about it uh, when we were talking about SpiceWorks, for example, is it has a help desk desk system we're not using because it would only be easier for us. You know, we would our teachers would have to learn to use something new, and it's it's not a it's not good enough to make uh you know fifty. A hundred people learn something new so that two people benefit from it. And if you, if you approach your administration and, and present them that in the right light with lots of sirs thrown in there, um, sometimes that helps. And you say, look, you, you got to understand that you're, uh, you're making life harder for everybody else to make, uh, life easier for one or two key people. Uh, and the, uh, the salesman will never mention that. But yeah, uh, the, the real world, uh, answer to that is get used to it. Yeah. You're, you're going to see it time and time again. It just, it happens. All you can really hope to do is maybe, uh, curb that a little bit. Yeah. And it's a, it's your approach at how you deliver the message instead of just yelling at somebody and giving them a hard time about the decision they made. You just kind of maybe highlight where the program is not meeting certain expectations maybe right well and we don't we don't mind letting them know uh we had it happen just this past year where uh our uh elementary school was sold on a, a software and uh how wonderful and great and magically the kids just knew everything and uh and it was it was really neat to look at and i'm sure the kids love using this software so uh you know it's it's hard to bash the software and i know when the salesman was in front of the principal selling it that it was all great but when it came time to after they paid you know however many thousands of dollars for the software to uh, install it they came to us and said you know well where's the server and uh, we were never we were never consulted at all we had no idea that these people were even showing up and uh, so we, we did go back and we revisited that with that principal and, and, you know, we talk about these things and we, we try to do it in such a way as not to make him feel like an idiot and say, Hey, look, dummy, you know, you should have asked these questions. He shouldn't have asked those questions. He's an administrator. He doesn't know to ask those questions. Uh, so it's more of a, Hey, look, this is what happened. And, you know, next time give us a call and we'll be glad to help you out. Uh, so we want to make sure that they just feel that we are accessible. That's what I call the, Oh, by the way, principle. Um, some salesman says this will happen, and then oh, by the way, it needs a five thousand dollars server to run on, uh, you know, and and they don't mention that until they come in and the the PO has been cut and the check has been signed. Uh, uh, watch out for the oh, by the ways. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next. Uh, how do you deal with like distractions and managing your time? I feel like sometimes in a tech environment it can be crazy at times, especially when like computers are going down or the network's having issues and it's really i find it hard to estimate how much something's going to take for time so i i don't want to make like promises to people and say well i'll get back to you at three o'clock um because something i might be working on something that i can't fix like right away or like things are just coming from all angles and just how to manage that Sean just recently had to learn the skill himself, and yeah. and the answer was stop saying I'll be there at three o'clock. Say I'll be there later. Right or or uh, you know it was I'm a real pleasing type of personality. I really try to be a people pleaser. I don't always find you that pleasing, by the way. Uh, just thought I'd thanks. mention that. Yeah, well, you know it's kind of you know roommates. You know once, <laughs> once you stepped on somebody's old underwear, then. <laughs> But uh this uh, show just went to a place uh, that it should never have gone <laughs> right. just right there. 
but uh, that that's that's always been me. It's naturally who I try to be. And so when I have somebody that's got a problem, you know, something's wrong with their computer or whatever, I want to fix it as fast as humanly possible for them. And that's really where my heart is. And so uh, so in my mind, I'm thinking of the quickest possible timeline that I can get this thing fixed and right back to them. And so, hey, uh, yeah, I'll have it back for you in a couple of hours or I'll have it back for you tomorrow or something, whatever it might be. And uh, I've I have just really had to force myself to stop doing that. It's a really hard thing for me not to do, but I just have to tell them, look, uh, you know, I'm working on it, and uh, I can't tell you when I'm going to get back to you, but just know that I'll get it back to you as quickly as I can. And you just have to leave it at that and be vague, because honestly, that's truly the case. You just can't possibly know what's going to happen over the course of either repairing that, or you get to go and, you know, if I get to working on a teacher's computer, and then the superintendent calls and says, my computer just crashed. He wins. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you can never tell when that stuff's going to happen. So the best thing is to upfront don't don't make any promises to anybody. Uh, and I mean, it's a great point that you bring up, uh, and, and uh, you're absolutely right. I like to uh, go by the Scotty principle. Those of you who were uh, viewers of the original Star Trek, uh, he would say, Captain Kirk would say, how long will it take to repair the dilithium crystal chamber? And he'll say, oh, I can't do it in less than three months, Captain. You've got ten minutes. All right, sir. And so, you know, that's the, the Scotty principle. You just pad whatever you need by a factor of a thousand. If you think it'll take an hour, <laughs> tell him it'll take a week, and then you're the hero when you bring it back in an hour. See? That's true. That is a good point. Yeah, I, I learned that too. And um, I think you mentioned in one other podcast you were touching on it because I'm kind of a people pleaser. Like I'm always trying to keep people happy. And I don't realize sometimes when I like overextend myself. But you were saying it's always good to like even just keep people up to date and just like if somebody really needed your help but you couldn't get to them, you send them a quick email and say, oh, I'm still working on this, but I haven't forgot about you. Um, I'm get to you when I can, but I'm just swamped today. Like, I think little messages like that, just let people know you haven't kind of like just given up on them. Right. Keep them in the loop. Sometimes people feel that you don't care about their problem. Well, and that's a great point. And that gets back to when I first came here. Uh, I was coming here from a customer service uh, background. And uh, so that was just naturally something that I did. So as I was working through these tickets, I would uh, every day I would go through my ticket list. And uh, I don't do that quite as I really overdid it in the beginning, but uh, I would go through every ticket list and then I would kind of shoot out a, a sort of status out to that user and, you know, hey, I'm still working on this, whatever. And, uh, the teachers went crazy for me. They just thought I was the greatest thing. Uh, oh, you know, I, I, I love the updates and thank you for this. And I can't believe you sent me an email and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, really I was overdoing it and probably, you know, doing too much of that, which was taking away from time. I should be fixing things. Right. Uh, so there's a, there's a sweet spot there, but that's a great point. Uh, I think a lot of times texts, uh, and, it's kind of natural for a lot of texts to kind of be out of touch with people a little bit and, uh, and to forget that. Uh, but it, it can buy you a lot of time. So, uh, when you have had their computer for a couple of days or something, uh, when you're doing little things like that, they're much more forgiving. So. There's a there's a, a saying that I've come up with over the years. Uh, when I, I'm out and about working on something or, or fixing something, uh, somebody will say, well, I haven't seen you here in weeks. And I say, if you don't see the wizard all is well in Oz. And so, you know, it, people who have that back-end server position, um, if you're seeing them, it's probably because there's something that needs to be fixed. Something you, really bad. Right. If you don't yeah. see them, the idea that the ideal tech is invisible. But you communicate. I, you know, I send, uh, it's interesting, people say, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen you in weeks. But if I say, well, when was the last time we talked on the phone? Uh, this morning, right? So right. Uh, email and telephone and, and instant messages fly all over the place, but people don't actually see me. And and that's one of the, the issues that Sean has learned over the last couple of years is um, work remotely, work more efficiently. Uh, if you're doing things remotely, you can work uh, with five people at once. And they all think they're getting personalized attention uh, because, you know, while you're waiting for this scan to run, you can be over here uh, doing this optimization over there. Uh, but if you do everything in person because you want to be a people pleaser, uh, you're only serving one person at a time and you've got four people mad at you. <laughs> Whereas if you do it remotely, you can make five people happy at once. So if you really want to be a people pleaser, uh, be more efficient. 
Right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next next one, you you got a good list of questions here. You yeah, bought- it's kind of like touched probably subject you guys have touched in the past, but um you, people like when I'm I seen Google Apps coming out and I was like, "Oh man, this is awesome." Like and it was when it was free for everybody. So I got an account and I got 300 emails. Oh wow. Yeah. And it's all free and I can use it for anything. It's not like tied to anything cuz I kind of got grandfathered in and I was telling my friend that manages um, so, some computers for for a, a company and that's his job. I was like telling him about it and he said he couldn't do it because of information in the cloud and he was really concerned about that. And would some techs be concerned about maybe um, um, getting rid of their job, like more stuff that goes in the cloud, would that be less need for tax that's an issue let's let's address both of those the privacy issue uh first off uh the only way to have a a fully secure computer i I used this line just yesterday uh with the principal the only way to have a fully secure computer is to unplug it Uh, the terms network and security are mutually exclusive you cannot have network security the moment it's networked it's not secure the moment it's secured it's not networked so just get that out of your head um now, you have to decide who you're going to trust, right? I personally put a lot of trust in Google. I have lots of sensitive and personal information, like lists of passwords and things stored in Google Docs. I'm putting my trust in that company, not because I think they're a good company, but because I think it's suicide for them to do anything with my data. They're a multi-billion dollar company that will become a multi-zero dollar company if they ever get caught messing with people's data. So my trust is not so much in them, but in the in their greed. I, I trust their greed over their uh, interest in privacy, uh, uh, in uh, infringing on privacy. Uh, as for the other one, any tech who's worried about putting himself out of a job isn't working hard enough, period. If you're working, if you're doing your job, you're going to be valuable wherever you go. And so if you move something to the cloud, uh, the Internet becomes important. Now you've, your job has just transitioned to making sure that we have a good Internet pipe and always working. So, uh, you know, uh, I don't, I don't put any stock in people who say they're going to work. The, I would hope to work myself out of a, out of a job. That means I can retire, uh, and, and go do something else, but it's not ever going to happen. Something it's always going to break, you know, until they invent the perfect machine and the perfect OS that never crashes. And I don't care what you say, Mike, Apple's crash. Um, <laughs> until, until the perfect environment comes along, they will always need people to fix stuff. So you're never going to work yourself out of a job. You might work yourself out of that job. But that's when you polish your resume and move on to the next one. Well, I want to add also to the kind of the security side of that is uh, who's who's going to be better at protecting your data? Me, Mark, Michael, or these freaking PhDs that Google have working uh, protecting those those servers? So. You know, we like to think we're good and that our servers are good and secure, but they're not as good and secure as Google servers. One lightning bolt can take out our entire data center. It would take a massive earthquake across several continents to take out Google Google's data center. Yeah. So no, I, I totally agree with those arguments, and I didn't have any problem with the cloud, and I thought it was a good idea. So I was just trying to see it from maybe a different perspective that – of why he might feel those things. Well, and I hear that all the time. People in right. my in my job, right? The network administrators, the the technology coordinators, they say that kind of garbage all the time. I want control over my data. I want to make sure it's on my servers and it's and it, it's it's uh, under my control. Well, that is the most vulnerable place to have it. If if you've got it under your control, there's a single point of failure. So even if you just have an offsite backup service, well, there you're trusting somebody with your data. So uh, you're always going to be trusting somebody with your data. Go with the company that looks like stand, they stand to lose the most by misbehaving. And at this point, I think that's Google. Plus, their stuff is just really good. Yeah. All right. Next. Uh, how many questions do you want me to go? I can go forever. So. Uh, why don't we just hit uh, probably because I don't know how long we're running now, but uh, probably just do uh, one or two if you can hit the the high notes there. And okay, I've hit most of the the things that have been really interesting. Uh, one thing that I was like with Google Apps and more and more like use of the internet. 
um, especially when I was working in that communication job, it was always a hard challenge managing the bandwidth and making sure um, that it was shared fair, like one person wasn't downloading a huge file and bogging everything down. And um, is there any simple solutions for that? Um, because everything I found was really expensive and complicated and um, I couldn't buy it or invest in the time to learn it and know if it was good. We're we're in the middle of that right now, and I've mentioned it on this show a few times that uh, our school just did a uh, a massive rollout of Google Google Docs uh, Google Apps, and and while I don't blame Google Apps for that, I blame the uh, th- that for shifting people's intentions more toward the web, and so our web usage has gone way up. We've we've doubled our bandwidth. We doubled it again. Then we increased it by fifty percent, and it's still not enough. So yeah, I'm right in the middle of what you're talking about. And there are some tools out there. Uh, Untangle is, is a tool we've talked about before. Uh, it has some, uh, um, uh, some good, uh, um, what's the word? Uh, application level management. You can, uh, you can, uh, block, uh, you know, the gaming stuff and the peer to peer stuff. Uh, but a good firewall, most firewalls have packet shaping of some sort in them. Um, uh, and, and this is where, you're going to have to put your money out there. Uh, there may be some, uh, some good open source, uh, freeware things out there that will do the job as well, but they won't do it as easily with as, as simple a management interface. And so my rule for years has always been put your money into your firewall. Uh, don't put it into your antivirus. Don't put it into your other stuff. Use the free things because they're, they're good enough. But your firewall, that's your, your most important, uh, your single line of defense there, your most important line of defense. So put your money there. I have a really, good quality firewall that has packet shaping. I can say, uh, for example, YouTube can use no more than uh, 5% of my bandwidth at any point. Uh, that's an easy rule to set in place. Uh, it wasn't cheap. It wasn't tightwad, but it was um, an effective way to spend my money that I had already saved by being a tightwad. So the, the whole point of, of being a tightwad is not to never spend money. It's to spend it wisely. And so I would say spend your money on a really uh, high-quality front-end device, uh, an appliance, and rather than trying to build something uh, using, you know, uh, IP cop or something like that. Untangle is a good one to look at. Uh, the, the open source components are good. Uh, the paid components are expensive, uh, but uh, it's a pretty good one. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, that's, that seems like a pretty good place to stop right there. Uh, um, did you have any questions for Mike, Sean? Uh, did anything um, you uh, throw out there? No, I think we're good. Uh, I, I do want to. I know Mike uh, had put in there some uh, some of his own tips of the week, so and we'll I think that. we're getting close to that. So, uh, Michael, why don't you uh, jump in there and uh, give us some of your well, tips? Some of the hang on, but I, there, I did think of one more question that's there in, in our show notes that we didn't ask. Oh, okay. What, what are some of the free open source tightwad apps that you use in your life every day? Um, that, that, you know, maybe some of the things that we're talking about are tips, but I'm just curious to what your go-to stuff is. You're, you're a Mac user, right? There's, uh, that's clearly not uh, a tightwad approved OS, right? But, uh, <laughs> so what are, what are, what are your, uh, 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 you say you're an open source advocate. So how do you put those two together, right? So you've got this, uh, really expensive, uh, laptop, the MacBook here. What's the free stuff that you had to put on it so you could, could uh, have the money to buy that? See how I work in a gouge there? There that's you good. go. So I'm oh, yeah. asking question, but I'm gouging all the No, same that's time. a good question, though, because I'm often, uh, we do actually know some people who are, uh, big, uh, Mac advocates, uh, but are also open source advocates. So, uh, I am kind of curious how you, how you marry those two together. Well, I've always been like a Linux open source kind of guy. And I got to a point where I was like, didn't really have time to tinker and play around all the time. And with the web design, a lot of the web designers were using Macs. Um, and I got my girlfriend a Mac and she really, really liked it. So I got one for myself and I was using that, uh, for, for web design. Uh, I still use quite a few open source, um, software. Um, I use Firefox. I really like that as a browser. I use this program called Notational Velocity. I'm not sure if you heard of that. I think there's one similar to it, but it's just a really, really, really simple, basic, note-taking application. So what it is, is it think of it as Google for your notes. And right. you have a search bar 
and you just search and then it shows you all your notes, click on your note and you start typing. So it's a really, really handy way to just store information. So I have lists and lists of different things. So anytime I come around good software or good apps, I throw it in there and I use it all the time. Um, more of the stuff I've been using recently has been uh, paid for applications. Um, pretty much almost everything you, I use Torrent is a free thing, but not as much lately. Um, I find that when I was on Linux, I would use basically the stock stuff that came with it, and it was more of a hobby, and I was just playing with it. But I could so, definitely so what see you're myself saying. using. I could definitely see myself using an uh, Ubuntu Linux workstation and being perfectly fine. What you're saying, Mike, is that you were an open source, free software guy. Then you bit the poison apple, and now you pay for everything. That's that's pretty much what I heard you say. Yeah. I'm, I'm a sucker that pays a high price for everything now. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We like to hear. We like to hear that. More uh, more money than brains. <laughs> you know, I'd like to have that problem. I really would. I've I've always had more brains than money, not because I was smart, but because I was poor. Uh, it would be nice to have that. Well, problem we've said it. You know, if if our school district just uh, tomorrow, uh, hey, we've got an unlimited billion dollar budget, uh, <laughs> we'd be at the Apple Store tomorrow, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Would you honestly? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but we certainly would be. You know, we'd be investing in some of that stuff because uh, you know. Th- it's not that there's necessarily, you know, things that uh, users can use, and you know, it's hard to argue against that, especially for certain applications. Uh, you're right. I know a lot of web designers are very fond of Macs, and uh, and also programmers. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, just not tightwad approved. Right. I'm just razzing you a little bit there. Uh, you know, as as I've often said, use the platform that works best for you, and and if if a Mac is it, great. But uh, I'm still going to make fun of you about it. <laughs> I think so, I deserve it for all my comments and the uh, site there. No, that's okay. We we like it. You're you're uh see you keep it clean though. That's that's the one thing. Some yeah. of those Mac fans, the, the the real Mac fanboys can get just ugly. So we'll move on now to the tips of the week. Uh, I'll do mine, Sean will do his, and then we'll just let uh, Mike end the show with his list of, of listener tips of the week. He's got several there. So uh, uh, my first, the one I want to do is uh, one that is germane to this show. You like that big word, germane? That's yeah, right. beautiful. Um, is uh, a tool that I've never actually used because uh, just the way our setup here, I don't really need it. But it's, uh, it's called iSkype Recorder, uh, iFree Skype Recorder, rather. Uh, and it's, uh, at ifree-recorder.com. It's, uh, it's a simple plugin that actually plugs into the, the Skype, uh, interface. It gives you like a toolbar there in Skype and you click a button and you, you record your Skype conversation. You can record both ends of it. You can record one end of it. You can record, uh, the far end or the near end and it, and you can save, choose how you want to save it at what bit rate you want to make the MP3 or whatever you, however you want to do that. It's great. It's a lot of, um, Really neat little features there for record, recording Skype conversations. Um, it works with uh, regular Skype to Skype calls and Skype out calls and all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, it's absolutely free. With uh, as their their website says, no strings attached, just free. So there you go. I free Skype recorder. Awesome. So, Sean, what is our teacher tip of the week? All right. This one came across. Uh, we mentioned the TCEA, and we, uh, we're we uh, kind of members of a listserv that uh, shoots out emails to us periodically. And this came from one of their emails. It's uh, World Clock. Uh, at least that's what they called it. I don't It might be on the website as well. Uh, the the URL is uh, poodwaddle.com slash worldclock.swf. Uh, so go to what our site. What is the web doing to our language? Right. Poodwaddle, really? Poodwaddle, yeah. It that's... was just that was the that was the URL that was available. Uh, yeah, so, I, I oh. hate to say it, but I'm gonna tell you this thing is is really cool. Um, and I don't, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I guess I could see teachers, uh, particularly, uh, probably, uh, the social sciences, uh, pulling this thing up because what it is, is it's got all of these, uh, it's not really a countdown, but these, these counters for what's going on. So it's got like live births, right? And you know, these things aren't real, but it's got the, the numbers just constantly going up and up and up. And then it has it broken down by boys and girls and, uh, you know, people infected with AIDS and, uh, the, the world temperature and, you know, it's got, 
all of these statistics that are just constantly cycling. And uh, uh, so just a really neat little simple clock that you can bring up and just gives you an idea of what's going on in the world and the scale of everything. And, uh, you know, it talks about deaths and then it breaks deaths down by uh, by heart disease and cancer and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it's pretty amazing when you look at it. So uh, the world clock at poodwaddle.com slash worldclock.swf. All right. And now, Monkey Martin, what are our listener tips of the week? Uh, H2 Zoom Handy Recorder. I don't know if you guys mentioned this, but I'm using it, I'm using it right now for the in- interview right now. And it's a handy portable recorder. Um, it's one of the cheaper ones, but it's really good quality, and it saves it to an SD card. The nice feature is you can also plug it into your computer and you can use it as a USB mic. So, uh, that is really awesome. Uh, second one, uh, flip video camera. I use that all the time. It's a good way to shoot video. It's cheap, portable, simple to use, good for kids, classroom, teachers. Um, another one is simple note. It's an online note, uh, tool. It's a way to store all your notes. So like I said before, I use, Notational velocity, save all my notes. It syncs to the cloud in simple note. And then it's 100% accessible from anywhere I have an internet connection. So all my documentation syncs to my phone. I have an app for my iPhone and I get all my stuff there. Um, keeping good notes and staying organized. That's another tip for text. Uh, I always keep a notepad, pen and paper with me. Uh, any kind of agenda or commitment I make, I write it down so I don't forget to get back to somebody because uh, I think it's really important to keep the commitments I make and try not to make too many of them. Uh, screencasting, I think this is a good tool and depending on how much free time a person has, a good way to teach people how to use technology. And that's it. All right. Absolutely. That's a pretty good list, and uh, I think I've got everything uh, noted down there, and, and we'll put those all in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, about the flip video camera, we use those here at our school. They're, they're great little tools. The only thing that I think would make it better is if you could use it as a, a webcam, too. Uh, if you could plug it in uh, to the USB and it didn't just show up as a, a drive, but also as a camera, that would be, that would sort of put it over the top, in my opinion. But they're great little cameras and they're, they're hard, they're, I'm not going to say they're indestructible, but they're very tough. We put these in the cans of, of middle school kids and they, they handle yeah. it just fine. Okay. So yeah. that's our tips of the week. And so, uh, this is the part where I list all the places where you can contact us. So if you want to <laughs> join the conversation. Sorry, can I, can I just say thanks a lot for the show. I really appreciate being on. You guys rock, and um, the show has just given me so much good information and helped me with my new job. So that's thank you guys very much. See, ordinarily, I wouldn't let you. Once I've cut you off, I'd say that's it. But yeah. since you were complimenting us, <laughs> then, yeah, I'm going to let that, <laughs> that go. Yeah, we're, we're always <laughs> open for some compliments, definitely. Uh, and, and I'll say uh, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, I believe you were the first to reach out to me when we kind of were soliciting and said we need our next one. So uh, thanks for contacting me. And if, uh, you know, you're automatically a cool guy now that you've been on the show. So uh, it's a good time to slip in there and say, if you'd like to be cool like Michael, contact me. Uh, send uh, it, Mark's going to give some the contact information, but uh, you can contact me directly, okay. Sean at thetightwadtech.com. Uh, uh, or podcast at thetightwadtech.com. Right. It goes to both of us. Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, our website, thetightwadtech.com. Our Twitter feed, twitter.com slash thetightwadtech. Facebook.com slash thetightwadtech. Contact us. Now, I'll be honest with you, the Facebook we don't check as often as we should. Um, Twitter, I, I keep a search going, and I see that all, all the time. Uh, Facebook, you can't – I don't know of a desktop client or even a phone client that will let you have more than one Facebook account. So I have my personal one, and then the, I have to just remember to go check the Facebook one. And so uh, there have been some comments posted up there and questions that might go a couple of weeks before they're answered. So I'll apologize for that and promise to try to do better. But uh, Facebook is really more sort of a uh, an information delivery platform than a two-way conversation. If you want to be a part of a two-way conversation, the way to do that is come to our website at, at thetightwadtech.com, uh, join the forums, log in the chat room. There's usually five or six people there all day long. Uh, well, three of them are usually bots, but there's usually a couple of people there all day long. <laughs> and... Um, 
and and you can uh, it's interesting we talk we we help each other out with questions we compare notes it's a great place to be if you're a, a geek like us and also our newest addition if you want to leave us a, a voicemail on our Google voice number that that number is 530frugal2 that has yet to be used nobody has called about the uh, on that yet right. so uh, we haven't had our inaugural voicemail yet but if you'd like to let your voice be heard in a very literal way that number is 530-F-R-U-G-A-L-2, Frugal 2. Yeah. And so there you go. So we're going to wrap this episode up right after Sean says, great show. Great show. Because he has to say that at That's every episode. That's right, every, every episode. And uh, so... Because uh, I'm usually trying to get out of here, right? It's like, right. let's Can go we home. This up? <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, thank you for joining us. And um, I'm going to let... Uh, uh, Monkey Martin sign out first because that's sort of become our tagline so take it away Mike yeah guys thanks for having me on the show appreciate everything awesome and so until next week this is Mark signing off and Sean signing off 